This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue together on this platform, we, we aim to draw relevancy from the biblical text while bringing clarity to our own religious experience. Now today, I'm excited and delighted to have Dr. Karen Blacks with us to talk about her book, which is entitled Experiencing God in the Ordinary, Reflections on the Closeness of God. I think I need to say that again, Reflections on the Closeness of God. But before we go any further, I would like to invite Dr. Karen Blacks to tell us a little bit about herself. Hello, and thank you, Reverend Glover. I am so happy to be with you at this moment right now. I am honored and humbled, like really humbled to be invited uh, to be a guest to talk about my book. Um, let's see, you said that I should say a little bit about myself. Well, as a means of description, I will say that first and foremost, I am a woman of God and specifically a follower of Christ. I'm a Baptist minister, um, and there are two passages of scripture that define my life's work and my faith focus, or what some of us may call our call to ministry. Um, the first one is, is in Matthew chapter 10, verse six, and it says to go first to the lost sheep of Israel. There's more there that says, to you know, talk about the kingdom of heaven has come near and to do some healing and things. But for myself, it is the sending, the going to the to first the lost sheep. The second scripture, um, and which is really personal, these scriptures were sort of revealed in my heart rather than me picking them out. And the second one's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, and it's it's about generosity. It says, "Do not hesitate to do good." and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I believe these two passages, it's what God has laid the foundation for many of the ways that I personally have experienced God in my life and has have experienced uh, God in the lives of other as we kind of live together in community. Um, that's what I will say uh, about myself. Um, I'm encouraged by the works of Walter Brueggemann, where he talks about the prophetic imagination and how God is an actual agent in the world and how we relate to God. And so all of those things uh, really, for me, resonate as experiences with God. Um, that's a little bit about who I am. If there's more, please ask. Well, amen. That was that was a lot. And, and I really appreciated hearing that. Um, but could you tell us uh, or share with us a little bit about the, the inspiration that led to your writing this book? Well, as I, uh, maybe I jumped ahead a little and I talked about the practice of prophetic imagination, the book that's written by Walter Brueggemann. And he says, prophetic preaching is an effort to imagine the world as though God, the creator of heaven and earth, were an actual real character and a defining agent in the world. Um, that inspires me because through my own life experiences, as I look back, there's the song that says, as I look back, I find that God has 
been with me. Um, I journal and most of the reflections that are in the book are edited for my personal journal notes. God has revealed God's self to me in so many ways over the year that as I begin to write and look back, um, those experiences just rose up. And I imagine that other people have had these experiences. They may not have journaled them or been aware of them. And so I used my own collection of experiences from my journal. Of course, I edited them and I, I, I not perfected them, but I, I, you know, published them. Um, and that was my inspiration. I thought, why don't I make a collection and and put it out there? Maybe somebody else will appreciate it. Amen. The focus of my oh sorry. No, go, go ahead. Please continue. Well, the the thing that really led to the book was my doctoral study. My demonstration project was to kind of demonstrate the need for digital, electronic, and social media in the spreading of the gospel globally, but also in the, the using it in the local church. And so in order to demonstrate that, I created an online faith community. Today we're called the Women of God in the World. And in that online faith community, I write daily or weekly reflections for the women Many of those reflections came from my own journal, and many of those reflections were written specifically for those women to inspire, to encourage them, and to get them to also think about their own faith walk with God. And so all of these things together inspired and formed the book. Amen. Well, I love this book. I love the book because it draws our attention to our experience with God. It's not a Bible study. It calls our attention to how we approach God and how God reveals himself to us. And, you know, we are somehow, I believe that we are somehow programmed to look outwardly to find God Yet we know that God lives within us. But we still want to look up in the sky and look elsewhere, everywhere, but inwardly and actually taking a look at that experience that we have. God is not a silent visitor or a silent partner and God desires to converse with us. You know, so prayer is a, is a two-way conversation. Often we enter into prayer like it's a one-way conversation, us telling God everything that we want, need, desire, and, and we don't even give the space for God to put, to have a word in, to speak back to us. But on, on, the, on the back cover of this book, there's a, a bold proclamation that, that reads in this way. It says, Experiencing God in the ordinary is about realizing God is present in our everyday lives. And this book gives readers insight into how God is actively engaged in very personal and specific ways that leads to a deeper understanding and richness that is both compelling and inspiring. So again, this book is is not to be read like a, a novel or an academic exercise. It is to be experienced. 
And as you mentioned before, it's, it's, it gives you the opportunity to, to journal your experience, to document your reflections and, and the acknowledgement of God's activity in your life during this reflective moment and beyond. So you mentioned journaling, and, and I just want to, you to touch on that one more time, the importance and the value of journaling your reflections and your moments of prayer. Well, I personally believe that journaling, it, it, it has two at least functions. It helps you to get things off of your chest. Um, if, if you have a revelation that you want to capture and remember, you write it down. If there's some things that you wish you would have said or you want to prepare to say in the future, you write those things down on a more personal and intimate level. You, you write in your journal your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your regrets, your prayers, answered prayers, unanswered prayers, and, and you write to God in your journal for me. Um, it's your conversation. You pour out your thoughts and pour out all of your words, and you leave nothing on the table, so to speak. You put it all in your journal. When you go back and you read through your journal, you begin to see how your life has evolved, how you've grown personally in one area or the next. You begin to see, for me, how God moves the ebbs and flows of your life. Oh, I've lost my job and I want to write about it. I've prayed for my health or for my community and I write about it. And then over time, you can see for me, the actual hand of God orchestrating in your life and the proof of it in your own testimony is in your own journal. I write in my journal things that I never intend to share until I looked back and I began to see the experiences that I had. And then I thought, maybe there's someone else who's having experiences or who journals or who could just be inspired or encouraged. And that leads me to continue to journal, to encourage people to journal. And a lot of the reflections in the book are from my own journal. Amen. You know, I don't know how or why, but for some reason, when I was younger, I think, for sure, not I don't think, but for sure, when I was younger, I used to think that journaling was type of a, a woman thing. <laughs> that goes to show you how, how <laughs> deeply rooted in patriarchy I was. <laughs> but but <laughs> it seemed to be like a, a, it wasn't necessarily a manly thing. But I've come to know now that actually journaling your experience with God and, and being able to revisit that experience, to see where to see the presence of God, the activity of God. You know, God's revelation we know comes through scripture, right? God God's revelation mm -hmm. is his his um, his self-disclosure towards humanity. And we get that through scripture. We also get that through nature. You can look up in the sky and you are without excuse of knowing that there is someone greater than you. Um, so one of the things I love to, to look at is just like I see the, the activity of God, the glorious, majestic splendor of God in creation, right? The sun, the moon, and the mm -hmm. stars. 
I see the, the glorious, majestic splendor of God in the activity of people's lives, including my own. So, you know, I'm looking at page 12 on your book, and there is a brief reflection, and, and this now gives the, the, the audience a chance to, to know what to expect in and through this book. On page 12, if you would be kind enough to guide us through, at least read the, um, the reflection that's offered. It's brief, but it's, it's full. So if you would be able to, where it, ble- where it reads who God is, if mm-hmm. you could just share that with us, then we'll break it down a little bit. Okay, I will, uh, I will read it. Page 12, it says, Who God is and what God has done throughout time provides us with an opportunity to respond in praise. It is because God has never failed and is ever loving toward us that we also respond with praise. Recalling when we were sick and alone, in need of care and deeply distressed, afflicted and even discouraged, it was God alone who provided and God alone who sent love and comfort. Therefore, it is to God alone that we give our thanks and our praise. Um, It is those experiences with God that encourage us in the darker times or in times of stress. Um, You know, we, we sing in church that troubles don't last always. We know that troubles don't last always because we can look back through our own history, recent and, and historical past history, and see that God continues to deliver, God continues to provide for us, God continues to speak to us in our hearts, but also through the hearts of others, particularly in times of distress where you feel like I'm not hearing from God, And then you get a tap on the shoulder and here's your friend or your neighbor or you get a phone call and God is in the moment and you feel uplifted and you can feel encouraged because God is always there when we don't realize it or when we feel too distressed to be able to acknowledge it. God finds a way to to get in there and to tap you on the shoulder, to press into your heart to let you know that uh, I'm still here and I'm still fulfilling the promises that I made. Um, That's what I write about on page 12. And in light of that, our natural response is, is to say thank you. Our natural response to grace and mercy, when we realize that we have experienced it, we live a lot of our lives in retrospect. I can't see in the current moment But through my journaling and through reflection, I look back and I can see um, that that God was leading me through a difficult situation, leading me to a high place from a low place, or just leading me to change my thoughts, be conformed by the transforming of your mind. God speaks to us and helps us to evolve as people in our thoughts and in our actions and our responses praise. Amen. You know, in the very first, the very first two words of this reflection, it says who God is. Now, if you take time to think about who God is, you might run into, well, not you particularly, but people run into a challenge. 
And I say that because often through our youth, we may have been introduced to God as sort of some sort of spiritual policeman who, who yeah. is waiting to, you know, catch you doing something wrong and push the button and send you into hell and condemn, <laughs> condemn you. Um, but that's not who God is. That is a poor image of God. Yeah. Um, and, and that is something that, that hopefully these prayer moments that you've, you've structured in this book will give a person the opportunity to, to revisit their own frozen image of God. And, yeah. and, and to remember what God has done throughout time to other people and in your own life. To just take time to remember the goodness of God in your own life. And when you do that, it would prepare you, if you can hold on to that, if you can hold on to those, the thoughts of the goodness of God, it, um, it, it strengthens you as you run into hard times. When things are yeah. not going so well, you can kind of like keep it in perspective if you remember the fact that God is the one who called you out of Egypt in the first place, right? And right. God is the one who knew you while you were in your mother's womb. So that that who God is question is a great um, is a great um, source of reflection. And then, of course, who am I in relation to who God is? How does God feel about me? And then your um, you know, you said that um, a person that is going through a moment of despair or struggle or desolation might feel like they're not hearing from God, right? They might yes. feel that God is far off and, and, and transcendent, right, and out there somewhere. But um, I believe that, is in, that it is in those dry moments, it is mm -hmm. in those moments of spiritual famine that God is present and inviting you to a place of greater mutuality, a place of deeper relationship, because perhaps you've outgrown your spiritual routine. And perhaps yeah. our spiritual routine has, in it of itself, has become a form of idolatry that kind of pulls us mm. away from, from um, engaging the presence of God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then you talked about um, a response. Our response of praise, you know, which is wonderful. We can give thanksgiving to uh, gratitude, express our gratitude for who God is, all that he's done, all that he's done in, in our own lives. And um, as we do that, then we can become that love of God in someone else's life. We can extend it because it's not meant for just us to hold on to it. But right. it's, it's, it's meant for us to be the love of God. So now, on the opposite page of the actual reflection, which was beautiful, you have three questions. And these three questions follow every reflection, right? The first, yes. the first question or the, 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 the question for your own pondering as you're working through this book um, is, as I read, this comes to mind. So, as we read this reflection, you know, as, you, as you're reading it, the Holy Spirit will prompt things in you that come up. And it is good to journal those things, right? 
then you, you go on to say, this is how I experienced God. And this is something that can be written while you're doing this reflection or afterwards, but you are recalling your interaction, your experience with God, followed by this is how my faith or life is changed, right? Or perhaps yes. even going to change. What am I going to do? How am I going to crystallize and make real all of these thoughts that are coming up? Yes. So now there's a book that's written by a Jesuit. His uh, name is Kevin O'Brien, and his, his book is called The Ignatian Adventure. And in it, he defines things for us to consider in and after these reflective moments of prayer, these very same questions that you have, what comes to mind as you're in this prayer, or as you emerge from it, this is how I experience God, and this is how my faith and life has changed. He, he adds to that list. He says, what were the significant interior movements? That is, your feelings, your reactions, your intuitions, your desires, your emotions, your thoughts, or your insights. How did you feel? as you were praying you know suppose you said imagine Yahweh as a real person in front of you right so yeah. that that's like if Jesus was in the room with you and he said to you and you were talking to him how would you feel yeah what would be going on inside of you was there what was the prevailing mood of your prayer was it or your engaging God in this dialect what was there a feeling of peace was there a feeling of agitation, excitement, boredom, confusion, or calm? What was going on inside of you? As you talked to Jesus, were you agitated about something and why? You know, is, is God perhaps revealing to you something that's going on that needs to be looked at? Then he offers another suggestion of, of um, you know, when you're in this prayer. Was the prayer more about the head or the heart? Mm, that's good. You know, are you, so what that means to me is, are we intellectualizing our experience with God and making it something perhaps that is a way of us avoiding God through our right. into, intellectualizing everything, you know? Right, um, right. And, you know, then, of course, there's what is the word, the phrase, the image that jumped out to me during this reflection. You know, you, you in your reflection, you wrote, um, it was God alone who provided, and God alone who sent love and comfort. You know, yeah. I, would, I would imagine that a person that is going through something, to be led to think about how God brought comfort in another time is a good thing. Yes, yeah. yes. And then, of course, there's is there, do I feel moved by this? You said, how has my faith or life changed? So do I feel moved to do something concrete, to partner with God to bring about this renewal in my life? And you know, Karen, most of all, and then I'm going to let you continue to speak here, is that we must consider this. Is there anything that I'm doing or not doing that is getting in the way of my listening to God? Right. Am I distracted by my trouble, my religion, <laughs> my 
health, <laughs> my people in my life, do all of those things get in the way of me actually hearing from God? Right. Let me jump in for please, a moment. Please do. Because that's, that's a wonderful question. And the book is called Experiencing God in the Ordinary. And so in the ordinary, what does that look like? And then to kind of piggyback onto your question, what are our expectations of God? Where do I think I need to be or go or who do I need to, 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 to see in order to experience God? And in the book, I really want everyday unchurched people, churched people alike, people of faith or people who may not be of faith to understand that God is, as you said earlier, within you. You can experience God in your ordinary everyday life. If you're on the top of the mountain and there's a transfiguration going on and you were chosen to be there, that is an experience with God. If you're at the foot of the mountain with the common folk, God is there in that ordinary time. And so it is in our expectation, where am I going to see God? And I hope that people will begin to understand in the book that you've seen God everywhere. Where did you expect to see God? And where did God actually show up? God shows up in your ordinary everyday life mm-hmm. on the mountaintops experiences and for those camped out with me at the foot of the mountain waiting for the revelation god's still right there in the midst of that ordinary time mm-hmm. and i remember talking to you um prior to this this talk and and you mentioned the liturgical calendar as as um as being an influence can you speak a little bit about that Yes, yes. The liturgical calendar uh, kind of helps us to see the seasons of the church. We we start, you know, we're in Easter with the the, the uh, crucified uh, Christ and his resurrection. And then we go into this ordinary time where there's nothing really happening until we get down into the Advent season, the pre-Christmas season, and then we come back around through the December and Januarys, through the, uh, you know, we wait for Pentecost, and then we're back at Easter. And so the liturgical calendar has a space on it called ordinary time. I want to express to readers, listeners, and anybody who will hear me, that God exists also in that ordinary time. As I just mentioned, after we get out of our high holy places, be it worship or church or whatever, that wonderful thing that we just had our congregational and community experience, God is also in the ordinary. When you get home from church, you take off your church clothes and you put on your sweatpants and now you're just waiting for a football game or watching TV in your ordinary lives, God is particularly there as well. And so I wanted to kind of take a play on the liturgical calendar and focus on the ordinary time where there are no big festivals, no big celebrations, we're, we're, we've been at the top of the mountain, we've been on the high, everything amazing has happened. 
and now we're here settled in our ordinary life. I don't want us to live for the high moments. I don't want us to say I can only experience God on Sundays when I'm in church and that's when I feel my best. I want to express to all of us that God is there in the ordinary times as well. Amen. And, you know, you mentioned uh, um, the high days and and it's very important that we don't get addicted to those high days. Right. When right. I say addicted, I mean that we... we when we're not experiencing the the holy days in the calendar that we feel as though God is not present. Um, right. So let me ask you this now, as we prepare to close out, where can someone get this book? Experiencing God in the Ordinary Reflections on the Closeness of God can be purchased on Amazon. Uh, there are links on my website, karenblacks.com. There is a page there dedicated to experiencing God in the world where you can hit a link and it'll take you to Amazon. You can go directly to Amazon and look for Experiencing God in the Ordinary with my name, Dr. Karen Blacks, and you'll see the book. If you're on Facebook, there is an Experiencing God in the World Facebook page where I'm sharing some other reflections and there's also a link to the book uh, on our Facebook page, and I believe we've got an Instagram page. If you find me on TikTok, there is a link to the book on TikTok as well. Well, Dr. Karen Blacks, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, for contributing in such a rich way. So thank you so much for coming and being on today. Um, you have been listening to Faith Talk, and I, I certainly thank our listening audience for being a part of our listening community. Um, I would, again, want to thank Dr. Karen Blacks as well as the, for being here, as well as the people around the world who have joined in as part of this listening community. I would encourage you to please visit the website of www.reverendjstuartglover.com and leave your comments on these episodes, which are open for criticism. On that website, you can also register as a guest on the show. You can contact me directly by email, and you can find all of Dr. Karen Black's um, information on social media sites and, and her bio. And again, thank you for being with us today, and God bless you. Thank you.